It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I am here with my partner in feminism, Zerlina Maxwell, and we are joined by honestly, one of our very favorite people on earth. It is Senator Elizabeth Warren, who has a new book out. It's called Persist. You need it in your life. Um, Thank you so much for being here, Senator. It's just a delight to talk to you. Oh, and thank you for having me here. I always have fun when I get to talk to the two of you. (laughs) We, I mean, we are like, you know, we always like to say we didn't endorse in the Democratic primary because of our jobs. Mm -hmm. We were Mm -hmm. uh, fair in our analysis. But we had mm-hmm. a, we had clear favorites, <laughs> um, and I, I <laughs> one of the things that I, I laugh at still to this day is like right before we went into this weird COVID period was when you know you ended your presidential campaign, mm-hmm. and you know they had the weird debate because there was only the two two men left. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Um, that was such an odd end to a long primary cycle. My first question is really reflect on how much has happened uh, since you uh, decided to end your presidential run and now, because we're, that's a lot of stuff. (laughs) Boy, it is a lot of stuff. So we've had a global pandemic, a racial reckoning, an armed insurrection, a new president, and Uh, Congress has passed an historic rescue package. All that means that there's been so much change that America now has its toes right on the line for change, for big structural change. So the book Persist is all about that. It's, It's about, I think of it this way, it's about the next hundred days. It's about when the moment for change comes, you know, those doors are usually locked tight on change. Uh, The crash in 2008, they opened a little bit and we got Dodd-Frank and the consumer agency, but then they close again. Right now, the doors for change are open, not wide open, but they're open an inch or two. And we have this chance to lower our shoulder, run at it and make real change. So persist is about the the things that I fight for. I tell the personal stories, my own and those of people I love, but also how policies made in Washington touch us personally. And because of that, how so many more of us get in the fight. It's it's a book of, of great optimism for what we can do in the next few months. I, I, I read this book cover to cover. It was oh, it was good. one of those. And, and I, I read it. I read it the same way I watched your campaign. There was a, there was a moment towards the end of the book where you you talked about kind of the, the first time that you admitted to yourself that this might happen, that you could you were surging, you were now leading, you were you were among the leaders in the polls for, for a, a minute there. And it, I think we I think all of us who really, really your campaign spoke to us. I think we all felt that moment also. 
and and how much good you could accomplish and how that was so close to being real. I read the whole book basically in that moment. Like, this is a blueprint for the kind of America that we want and need, this book. You start with the child care economy. I, I learned so much about what are some of the structural ways that women are held back. I mean, I grew up, I'm the, I'm the daughter of a single mother who went bankrupt. And I did not know that bankruptcy is a woman's issue. I don't even think about it that way. I think about like the guys whose plants closed and I had to, I had to put the book down, run upstairs, tell my mother, like, did you know that the single biggest determining factor of going bankrupt is being a woman with no, with, with one or more kids. And she was like, I did not know that. And I was like, Elizabeth Warren's book. And I went back downstairs and I finished reading it. (laughs) It's a very long way of saying, I love these ideas. I I'm, I'm glad that they're all bound in one place where I can look at them, but I don't just want to admire them as something that I think might be able to happen. How much of this can happen without you in the white house? Oh, that's the thing. So I start the book uh, having lost and uh, having to walk outside my house with my husband and my dog, Bruce and Bailey are there with me and to say, it's, it's not gonna be me. Um, and I go back in the house and all that afternoon and into the evening, People come by uh, and they write chalk messages on the sidewalk in front of our house. And, you know, it's, we love you. Our queer family loves you, you know, dream big. Some kids said, you know, there were ponies and rainbows. And the next morning I wake up, I open the door and there, right outside my door on the sidewalk in two foot high, heavily chalked in letters is one word, persist. And it was like a bucket of cold water in the face. Because what it said to me, in effect, is remind yourself why you got in this race to begin with. And the answer is to fight for change, to fight for childcare. That's why I tell the stories about why it's so important in the book to fight, to cancel student loan debt, to fight for more investment in housing, um, for a wealth tax, the things that could make big structural change, the things that could open real opportunity for all of our mamas, open opportunity for young people. And I realized in that instant, well, what I want to fight for didn't change just because I'm not going to be president of the United States. It just means I'm not going to have that tool, but I'm still going to have a lot of tools. And so I better pick up what I got, make it sharper, better, and get out there and use it. So I got right back in the fights. I've stayed in the fights, but more to the point, as I say and persist, I do this because these are issues I feel personally. I tell the stories, but they're issues you should feel personally too. There are issues I'm hoping people will connect with every woman who's ever been knocked on her butt and had to get back up and get back in the game. That's what this book is about. I hope it inspires a lot more people to get in the fight, to stay in the fight. 
and to help us make the change that we are so close to making. So we're so close. And you say the door for change is like right there. It's open. We just got to walk through it. Mm-hmm. And there's this thing in the way called the filibuster, yep. um, which <laughs> is a weird, weird name. People are like, why, why is this a rule? Why are we going by this? It's not in the constitution. Um, people have talked a lot about the racist history of the filibuster, how it was utilized to block civil rights in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, how can we get to a place where the Senator Joe Manchins and Kirsten Cinemas of the world, you know, see that the door is open, <laughs> just like you do? So it's a process, uh, to be fair here. Um, part of it, I think, is we have to start doing things and demonstrate the problem that's created by the filibuster. So, for example, Joe Biden said, I'm going to do a bipartisan rescue package. I want to be a bipartisan president. And we put together this really terrific rescue package, which, by the way, had money for childcare in it, right? Mm-hmm. Terrific. Had money for our public schools in it. Terrific. Um, uh, had money for our seniors and it had checks that went to people who needed it. Yay. Had more money for unemployment. A lot of things we've been out there fighting for. Okay. He says, I'm going to do this. And he invites Republicans, says, come, tell me what you want in it. Let's, you know, tell me, we do a little give and take. Republicans basically say, nah, not really. We, we only want a tiny little thing and we can't go with any of this other stuff. So Joe Biden says, you know what? We're going to pass it anyway. And we got all 50 Democrats and that's all we needed. We did it through reconciliation. Now, if we didn't have filibuster, we never would have had to do this kind of inching around. And it meant we couldn't do the $15 an hour minimum wage because that can't be done through reconciliation. But the point is, it was a demonstration to the nation, to the Republicans, to the Democrats, one, that we can pursue bipartisan legislation when bipartisan means that Democrats and Republicans across the country want to get it done. And two, we're not giving Mitch McConnell a veto. So think of that as that's block one. It was a hard one, but we got it done. Now comes the next block, and it's hard. And I think what the next one is going to be is infrastructure. And we got Roads and bridges and uh, communications, broadband, mostly Republicans will sign on for that. Maybe not as big as we would, but some of us are saying, are you kidding me? Infrastructure is about getting to work. Infrastructure is about keeping our businesses productive. You know, that's why we have these roads and bridges. Well, if you want people to be able to get to work, if you want businesses to be productive, we need universal childcare in this country. We need childcare that is affordable, high quality, and available. Half of America lives in childcare deserts. We need childcare. So we're pushing to make this a part of the overall plan. Now, let's see where we go. We pick up 10 Republicans. Woohoo. I'm all for it. If we don't, I think the president is making clear. This is something that is supported. You hear the pattern here by Democrats, Mm -hmm. Republicans, and independents. We're going to roll it forward anyway. It's harder uh, because it's going to be harder to squeeze it through the eye of the needle of 
reconciliation, we may have to overrule a parliamentarian here or there, whatever. But we are going to get this done. Third one comes up, we have got to do voting rights, voter protection, anti-corruption. We just must. And by then, I just don't think you can do this through reconciliation. So that takes me to where I've been all along. I want the filibuster gone. You know, these Republicans like to talk about, well, the founders and what the founders wanted. Uh, go back and look at what the founders wanted. They considered supermajority. That is that you got to have 60 votes to get something done or 66 votes. And they said, you know what, for some things you do, like impeaching a president. Sure. But for regular legislation, day by day by day, they said majority in the House, majority in the Senate, president signs it, done. And that's what I'm in there arguing for. I think we got a lot of folks in that direction, but we got to work our way through these bills and try to bring everybody along. I am so grateful to everybody who turned out to vote in November, that we got the White House, that we got 48 Democrats in the Senate. I am so doubly grateful to everybody in Georgia who turned out and gave us a majority so that we can actually put things on the floor to vote on. But I know that we made promises and we need to deliver on those promises. We can't say, oh, filibuster, some rule, Mitch McConnell said, no, no, uh-uh. We promised you give us a majority and we will deliver. And it is time for us to do that. I took a lot of heart from the, the portion of your book where you talked about borrowing plans that were good. And we watched in real time as, as you sort of mm -hmm. borrowed from Julian Castro. And we were like, oh yes. my God, it's our two favorite policy people like teaming up like Voltron. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> and and I was so happy to see at the DNC, Biden had you talk about your childcare economy. And it really does feel like he is adopting some of that urgency that you brought to the campaign. And I doubt that that would be happening if you didn't. So the point is, we didn't win this time, but there were, in fact, a lot of blood and teeth left on the floor. And I'm just curious, do you ever think you'll try again? Right now, Joe Biden is running for re-election, and my job is to help him win. So that's that's just not where I am. The, the thing that matters most to me right now is what we can do in the next 100 days. It's, it's not about the years down the, down the way. You know, and I think of it this way. I, I, I appreciate your question on this. I think of it this way. I ran for president and I got to get up every day and talk about things that matter, like childcare and student loan debt, to talk about the wealth tax. Every day I got to talk about that stuff to lots and lots and lots of people. And I got to talk about it at the press and I like speeches, but town halls over and over and over. Altogether, I got to put out 81 juicy, glorious, detailed plans that were all aimed in the same direction, aimed toward making us a nation where you don't have to be born rich to have real opportunity. 
that we have invested in a kind of infrastructure around education and caregiving and housing and healthcare, mm -hmm. that all of us are going to get opportunity, that we're willing to address racial inequities head on and honestly and talk about them, even when it's hard. And we're willing to rewrite laws to be able to make change and not pretend that somehow to say, I'm not racist is the same thing as being anti-racist. No, right. to take that next step. I got to do that for 14 months. And those plans are now there. They're, they're real. And that means Joe Biden can pick them up. It means advocates can pick them up. It means governors can pick them up. And it means I still got something to go out there and talk about and keep pushing them. Because it's, it's the specificity, the, the fact that there are real details to these that I try to link up. I try to link up in the book Persist with what it means person by person. I, as you know, I tell the stories in the book I came that close not to being able to finish my education because of childcare. Mm -hmm. I actually faced the night when I said out loud, I am quitting my job, my beloved first big tenure track, yay, full-time teaching job. I'm quitting, not because it was hard and it was hard, not because I was crazy busy and I was crazy busy, but because I couldn't get childcare. And here's the part that makes me grind my teeth. That was two generations ago. Two generations ago. And childcare nearly, nearly knocked me off the track twice. How many women of my generation never got back on? My daughter's generation hit the same thing. The same damn thing. And if we don't make change, my granddaughter will hit the same thing. So that's why when I talk about this moment, our toes on the line, the opportunity for change, Democrat in the White House, in the House, in the Senate, we gotta take advantage of this moment. I'll do my part on the inside. I want everybody, everybody who listens to this podcast to say, you'll do your part on the outside. You'll post, you'll tweet. You'll talk it up. You'll put wind in our sails to make the changes we need to make. Senator Warren, it. thank you so much for being here. The book is Persist. I cannot recommend it highly enough. Um, it is a blueprint for women, for everybody, for America. And it's just a hell of a read. It's just a ton of fun. Um, Thank you so much for joining us today. Please give Bailey a burrito for us. <laughs> oh, yes, Bailey, thank you. The, the birthday boy loves his burritos. And thank you so much. It's always thank good to so talk much. to both of you. Take it care. It's so great to see you. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Signal Boost podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with more news.